0: Morning. Good to have each of you in the Lord's house as we gather together to worship this morning. Getting ready to lift up our voices in song uh, as folks come in and find their seats. We're so glad to have you come and worship with us this morning. Brother John getting ready with his guitar
1: and then he's going to go ahead and lead us in a song. Amen. Let's all stand together. We lift up our voices as we sing. I sing the mighty power of God i sing the mighty power of god that made the mountains rise We're going to lift up our voices and sing. It is well with my soul when peace like a river. My soul.
0: Amen. It is good to have each of you in the Lord's house this morning. As we open up in prayer this morning, I'm actually going to pray specifically for Diana. She's on the back row right there, second to the back row in our church. This Wednesday, she's moving to Canada. Uh, if you'll remember when she joined our church here number of months ago, I had mentioned to you that she is going through the process of immigration in the United States, and um, so her immigration attorney told her, you know what, really, um, the fast track for you is to go and there's an attorney up there that will help you in Canada, and so she is going to be moving Wednesday to Canada. Canada. Uh, So we're going to pray for her as she takes that next step in her life. So let's go to the Lord of Prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you as a church this morning. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to worship you. I do pray that you'd be with our sister in Christ, Diana, as she moves to Canada this coming week and that they will be able to help her as she desires to bring her citizenship to North America. I pray that you would help her, guide her in all of that. We thank you that she's been a part of our church for these months, and I pray that you watch over her and protect her. Please be with us as we worship. We ask that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
1: I yet understood through the. Christ is mine forevermore. Christ is mine forevermore. Christ is mine. As we sing Psalm 150, praise the Lord. You made the starry host, you traced the mountain peaks, you paid.
0: Billy Joe came, ready, prepared to minister and to sing. And she's camping. Is that not true? Sure. You know, I, I hear so many folks who say, well, we're going camping, Pastor. We're not going to be able to be here for church. And I'll, I'll say to them, well, where are you camping? Well, we're camping right down the road. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm always a little perplexed by that. But Billy Joe and I, I think several uh, young couples... They are camping, and they're all here this morning for church. And Billy Joe came and ministered to us in song. That's a blessing to me as your pastor. Um, here a couple weeks ago, I had a young couple w- were with us on Sunday morning, and while I'm chatting, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. We are going to look in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but I, I had a young couple who were coming out there shook my hand at the door on the way out, and. Uh, They mentioned to me that they were just on vacation, driving through Vermont, and they had got up that morning and uh, looked for a church and decided, you know what? While we're on vacation, we're not on vacation from the Lord, and they were here worshiping with us, and that is always a blessing to me as a pastor. It warms my heart. I encourage you, when you go to places on vacation, no matter where you are in the world, look for a place where you can worship you will be better for it. You'll meet new friends, new people, and you'll worship with other folks. I'm telling you, you'll receive a blessing. So, thank you, Billy Joe, for going from camping to church and ministering to us in Psalm <coughs> Acts chapter 16. I'm going to take you through verses 16 down through 34 this morning, and um, I just want—I'm going to start off with a question. Now you don't have to answer, you don't have to respond, but I want you to ask yourself, how long has it been since you've been to jail? <laughs> Think about it for a minute, just start, give it a little, a little moment of thought. How long has it been since you've been to jail? Because this morning I'm gonna take you all to jail. Now we're not actually gonna load up in the shuttle bus and go to jail. But we're going to go to jail right here in the Bible. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 down through 34. This takes place in the city of Philippi. Now, if you today were to go ahead and get in a jet and fly over into Israel, and then you were to get in a bus and you'd go all the way up and then you'd go through Turkey and across the Mediterranean over into ancient Greece... Right as you got over to the coast there, there would be a city called Philippi. And those cities along that coast, Corinth is there and others, as you go down along that coast, they were cities that were a hustle and bustle of traders, of people who are, ships are coming in and they're unloading and they're loading back up into carts or other ships very international cities as people are moving about and doing business. Philippi is that kind of city. And in the hubbub of that city, there were people who were kind of barkers. You know what a barker is? I try to get the the snack shop ladies to do it at camp. So a, a barker is a person who usually has a product or a service to sell. So say this morning I wanted to promote Thriving in Stressful Times, our Sunday School lesson during this series at 9.30 every Sunday morning. As a Barker, I would say, fresh lessons right here, fresh lessons, thriving in stressful times, come right here, come one and all. (laughs) Would it work? Would it help? That's what a barker does. Well, back in the city of Philippi, maybe even like if you went to New York City today or some other place where there's many people, you might come across a hot dog cart that does that or a, a steak, a, a Philly steak thing over in Philadelphia. Or who knows where? Somebody barking out. Well, when we start in this text, we encounter... Some people just like that. Look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And it came to pass, as they went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So they're getting ready to go to the service of prayer, and up behind them walks this young woman, who's a fortune teller, a soothsayer who brings much profit to those who are her masters. The same followed Paul and us, and they cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So Paul had enough because here's this fortune teller kind of associating herself with them and the demon within her is crying out that these are the servants of God. It's not saying an untruth, but the association is an untruth. So Paul says, I've had enough of this. And he turns around and he commands the evil spirit to come out of this young woman. And within the hour, the spirit is gone. However, there's a problem. The problem was she was a moneymaker for her masters. And when you read in your Bible and you read about these cities like Corinth and Philippi, these these commerce cities these cities with so much trade going through them. They say, for instance, the city of Corinth had as many as 75% servants or slaves versus 25% of people who owned them. So the profit off of humanity at that time was immense. And her owners are angry So look at what takes place. The demon is cast out. Verse 19, And when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So these people who have lost the buck, they've lost this money train off of this servant they have, they're angry and they grab Paul and Silas and they bring them right down in the marketplace, they bring them right before the rulers of the community and they say these people here are causing a problem in our city and they're speaking and teaching things that are contrary to Roman law. Verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, many whippings, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast, In the stocks. So here's Paul and Silas arrested, stripped, whipped. Now they're in the inner part of the prison, held in stocks. Years ago, I had gone over to Turkey and we had gone through some ancient ruins. We went through one of the ancient prisons, and there in the wall, they had chiseled through the stone and they had stone pockets where they would tie the ropes to go ahead and bind the prisoners in their stocks. That's the kind of place Paul and Silas were brought to. There in the filth and mire of the prison, we see the next thing transpire. Can you imagine? They've been beaten, whipped, ridiculed, degraded, and now they are filthy and confined. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and every man's everyone's bands their their boundings or bindings were loosed And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. You see, Roman law was that if you were given the trust of confining a prisoner and that prisoner escaped during your time, you lost your life. So the keeper of the prison, the earthquake happens. Those who are bound within there. For one, what was the the keeper of the prison doing? Anybody know? He's sleeping. How many of you think he was supposed to be asleep? No. But he wakes up. Of course, an earthquake would wake you up, wouldn't it? He wakes up and the... The bindings have fallen off the prisoners. And he thinks, they're going to kill me. So he pulls out his sword and he's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul cried out with a loud voice, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I asked you how long has it been since you've gone to jail? This is the jail I'm talking about. How long has it been since you sat down and read the account of the Apostle Paul being arrested and put in that jail in Philippi? How long has it been since you've read about the Philippian jailer and his conversion of coming to Christ? There's so many things in this text to learn for you and I. First of all, we see the pre salvation condition of the jailer. Look again with me at verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. We find a man who's asleep in the midst of a spiritual revival. Because what's happening in the prison? What's happening in there at midnight? They're singing and they're praying and he's sleeping. Now the other prisoners, the text tells us, they can hear it. They're listening. Maybe they're participating. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're mocking. But Paul and Silas are singing and praising the Lord. And the keeper of the jail is sleeping. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, But our gospel is hid... It is hid to them that are lost. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What we learn in the Bible is, this jailer who's asleep is really like the vast majority of the world. All around them is the hope of Christ, the peace of Christ, the strength of Christ, the salvation of Christ. People are worshiping, singing, praising God. And what are they doing? They're sleeping. They're blind. Satan has blinded them and deafened them that they cannot hear and they cannot know. They need something. Something to open their eyes. That's what the Philippian jailer needed. He needed something to get his attention. And God knew exactly what he needed, didn't he? He sent an earthquake. And when that earthquake came, and, and I want you to understand that in that part of the world, earthquakes are not that uncommon. In fact, many of the archaeological ruins throughout that part of the world, the reason they're ruins is because of earthquakes. They may have lasted a a hundred years, 200 years, but each time an earthquake came, it shifted, changed, and eventually, oftentimes, they would come tumbling down. And those people would move on to a new place and they would build a new house, a new community, a new village, a new synagogue, or a new temple. Here, an earthquake came and it got his attention immediately, not just because of the earthquake but because the bands had fallen away from these prisoners. His life was in jeopardy. I don't think he was so much concerned about the prisoners, but he was concerned about him. And he definitely did not want to die at the hands of his superiors. The Romans were not merciful killers. They were brutal on purpose. Even still today in our world, you and I, we may watch the news or read a story, and we think, wow, why are these people so brutal, so barbaric? Because they want to intimidate and strike fear into people. And that's what Rome did successfully. And this man, when that earthquake came and those bands fell away, He did a quick inventory of himself and he realized, I need to make a change. Either I need to die or something needs to happen. And Paul, under the inspiration of God, he jumps up and he says, do thyself no harm for we are all here. He called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We find a man who's just going about his business, living his life just like your neighbors, your friends, your family. He's just going about doing what he was told to do. But God looked down and he saw in that Philippian jailer an eternal soul. And he saw a man who needed the gift of salvation. And it's amazing what God will do to get our attention. You and I, each of us in this room, at some point, at some time, God knocked on our heart's door. And the book of Revelation says, if we would hear and respond, he would come in unto us and dwell with us. That's exactly what God did with that Philippian jailer that day. He knocked on his door through an earthquake. Through the bands falling away. And all of a sudden that jailer who's willing to take his own life. Paul says, stop, wait. I have a message for you. A message of hope. We are still here. And the jailer comes in, he drops at his feet. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You and I in our lives, we have a message. We have a message that the world needs to hear. There are people all around us just like this Philippian jailer. They are going about their business blind to the gospel, deaf to the message. But they need to know. And when they hit that place where God knocks on their door, you and I need to be there. We need to be there to say to them, there is hope in Christ. There is peace in Christ. There is salvation in Christ. Come, stop, listen. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. They stepped right in at that exact opportunity so that the Philippian jailer could come to salvation, him and his household. Look back with me at verse 29 in our text. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling down, fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. You and I have the simple message, it's not complicated. The apostle didn't add anything to it, he didn't say to him, well you need to go ahead and believe and put your faith in Jesus, you need to get baptized, you need to take 12 classes, and then at the completion of those 12 classes you've go, you got to sign a certificate, and then you've got to go ahead and give your money every single week, and then as you get old you've got to serve, and by the time you die you've got to have 45 pins that show that you've been faithful in every area. He didn't do any of those things, did he? He just gave him a simple gospel. He says, You've got to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your household. You and your wife and your kids. Let's throw in the nieces and nephews, too, and maybe your aunt and uncle. Let's get the whole clan and let's all talk about Jesus. You and I, we have that message. You have it. I have it. It's not complicated. Sometimes we're afraid to speak up and we need to not be afraid. There are people who desperately need to know. They desperately need to know. Yesterday I did a, a funeral for a young man, 27 years old who had died a couple weeks ago in a car accident. And as I, as I did that it was kind of a memorial service and, As I'm looking at all these young people in their 20s and 30s, you know, for me, I'm looking at souls. I'm looking at young people who need to come to know God. They don't need a complicated thing. They need to just know that God cares for them. And he offers them hope if they would but just come. But you know what most 27, 28, 30, 35-year-olds are thinking about? Everything but that. Mm-hmm. But when your 27 year old friend dies, for a moment you stop and think. That's exactly what happened in this jail. This soldier, this prison keeper, his salvation experience was triggered by an event. That got his attention. It woke him up. It shook him up. And he responded. Like so many people do. They want to know. At that moment. What is the answer. And look what takes place. As we come down a little farther in the text. Look at what takes place. In verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house. And he took them, that jailer, took them the same hour of the night. And he washed their stripes where they had been beaten and whipped. And he was baptized. And all his, his family, had come to Christ that night. They were baptized straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. And he rejoiced. Believing in God with all his house. You and I see a miraculous transformation take place in that jail. That man went from a jailer who could care. He's asleep. He doesn't care who's suffering, who's hungry, who's dirty. He doesn't care who's singing, who's not singing. He does not care. But through the power of Christ, through the miraculous transforming power of salvation, all of a sudden you find this brutal Roman soldier prison keeper washing the wounds of his prisoner, feeding him in his own home and rejoicing and believing in God with all his house. Jesus Christ's still today transforms lives I'm a testimony to that but you might think well yeah but you're pretty old didn't you're kind of going back to the time of Paul and Silas aren't you but you know what there's other younger people than me who God has transformed their lives Katie's sitting here she's quite a bit younger than me she received Christ as her Savior and you know what Christ came to dwell in her heart. She's raising her little boy, Gavin, to know and to love the Lord. We're a generation apart, but Jesus still touches and changes lives. You and I in this room this morning, how long's it been since you've gone to jail? How long's it been since you just took a moment to go back? Put yourself in that jail with Paul and Silas. Put yourself in the place of that jailer. Blind, deaf, he doesn't care, but all of a sudden, the light pierces his soul, and he comes to Christ. And it changes him. You see, we have to step back sometimes and take a moment to look. Look in the Word of God. Look at what it has done and what it is doing. In each of our hearts and lives. This morning before we go. I ask you. Have you ever come to salvation? I'm not asking you if you're religious. The Romans were religious people. They worshipped all kinds of different gods. Whether they be powerful gods or seductive gods. They have lots of religion. I'm asking you. Not if you're religious. But have you come to Christ? That's what that jailer needed. And you and I that are Christians, and maybe you've been a Christian a long time. I've been a Christian since I was 16. That's 50 years ago. What are we doing with our salvation? Are we sharing it? Are we hiding it under a basket? Are there people who are deaf and blind to faith and hope? All around us, but we're not willing to speak up and shine the light. You and I this morning. If you need to receive Christ in a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. And I implore you to come just as that jailer and receive Christ today. You and I that have been Christians for a long, long time. I implore you this morning. Stand up. Stand up like Paul and say, wait, wait, there is hope. And point to Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's a question posed in the book of Hebrews to make every one of us saved and unsaved Christian and non-Christian, to step back and ask ourselves, if we ignore the power of the salvation of God, where is there hope? There is no hope without that. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That is the message of All right, I'm going to turn it over to Brother John. He's going to close us in a song, and uh, then we're dismissed.
1: Father,